The Hundred Marathon Club by Darren Smith For the blog, www.runnersknees.com, I ordinarily write an annual review. Looking back at the year and the ups and downs of my racing life throughout it. Imagine a dozen marathons, some overseas fun and games, muddy, boozy, west country shenanigans before and after a handful of 50Ks. A high profile DNF, a few DNSs, for a varying number of lame ass reasons but otherwise a stalwart, steady onwards march toward the 100 Marathon Club. Now, I have this mechanism, my podcast, for getting across my point, and so I thought I would record this instead. Or at least first, and maybe write the blog during the next lockdown that will happen over the new year. And so... To the big question, I guess, the only question I tend to answer during the annual review, how has the year been? How was 2020? Well, in a word, it started, as every year does, about six months into the year before. My race calendar starts being built, if that's the right term, crafted, maybe, sculpted, Ah, yes, like I am Leonardo da Vinci. As soon as race entries open, as soon as registration opens. And that is ordinarily just after the current year's race has finished and they've posted the results. So as early as March, I'm signing up for the following year's February and March races. And 2019 was no exception. Races were completed. Results posted, photos purchased at f***ing astronomical costs for parasitic f***ings like Marathon Photo, who are still sending me deal emails from races that I ran eight years ago. They send me race emails about races that I signed up for but didn't even f***ing run. And as soon as 2020 opened... To quote my many David Hasselhoff memes that I do post on my blog, I was in there like swimwear. And now, I'd already scaled down the race calendar a bit before the bells rang in the new year, too. The Liverpool to Manchester Ultra was binned. The Wendover Woods 50k as well. I was going through a step change in my attitude towards racing, and it showed in my choices. The first race that should have been a mark on the chalkboard of my marathon count was Green Man 45 in March. And my God, did I royally f*** that one up. Having run the Green Man 30 twice in September 2018 and March 2019, I was overly confident. Cocky, if you will. I'd run it twice. In road shoes, I'd improved my time by half an hour. I kind of knew the route, and so, knowing that I'd already dropped out of a few ultras over the course of the year, as I restructured my ass race calendar, I thought I would up it to the 45 from the 30 as punishment. And this 
would be a mistake. I knew the last two-thirds of the route well. I have already said that. It is common knowledge. What I didn't know was that the first 15 miles from Ashton Park School, uh, but I thought, f*** it, just like everything else, I would just wing it. Oh, you cocky little puppy, you. You are in for a fall. And it was a f***ing unmitigated disaster. I never tie my laces on my road shoes. It's not that I believe that it is good luck or bad luck or any of that old superstitious The shoes have moulded themselves to my feet and are as comfortable as those old tartan granddad house slippers to run in. Coincidentally, I also have those old tartan granddad house slippers at home too. As for my road shoes, I tend to be able to slip in and out of them with ease. None of that bending to tie the laces business business. That just wouldn't work at the end of a marathon or a nasty ultra, especially something long and hard. I would sound like an old wooden sailing ship creaking on the waves, moaning like the wind in the mountains if I do. And so I just slip them on. What this meant, though, at Greenman 45 was that about a hundred yards out of the school, into the grounds of the stately home, I lost a shoe deep in the quagmire. And I was four paces away, sock-drenched and muddy, before I could stop and turn and head back and pull it out of the ooze with a... I then had to empty it, which took me back to my childhood and the TV of my childhood in the 70s and the yearly episode of Blue Peter, where they drained the pond in the garden of Broadcasting House. I squelched back into my shoe and slowly picked up uh, my pace and picked my way as far as I could to the nearest asphalt path. By this time, a vast majority of the field had run off, leaving me in the vicinity of the tail runner and the slowest of the competitors, those who, and no disrespect to them, because I was doing worse, who would run with him until they inevitably drop out. But my focus was gone. My head was no longer in the game. I needed to recover, get in some fast, confidence-building kilometres, and then put some distance between me and the tail runner. But after a hill and then a road crossing, I hit an unpassable swamp. A slippery downward path through a wooded area outside the next village. It was impossible to keep my feet. I struggled to even stand at times. I was a kid at the local ice skating rink, age 10 again, and I hated f***ing ice skating. I was f***ing at it. And I was on my inline skates again for my first ever lesson at the age of 46, holding on to my instructor for dear life. And I hate rollerblading too. I am f***ing at it. But... 
on the flip side, it is a humbling feeling to be so helpless and bad at something, especially when others seem to do it so effortlessly. And so the tail runner went by with the last of the competitors. He asked how I was, and I said I'd catch up. But that was a lie, because I was just saving face. For as soon as he was out of sight, I called the race director to say that I was withdrawing, and called it quits. I could say it finished there, but it still took over ten minutes of slipping over, landing very hard on my hips, twisting my knee, going over on my, at my ankles several times, falling hard into brambles and cutting my hand and head on the thorns, before I could finally limp out and onto a decent road surface. I remember a dog walker walking by. I was a muddy mess, much like his dog, but we greeted each other cordially as I took the long road around, through the village and back across the estate, and into the school, only to discover that the room in which I'd left my bag was locked, and that there was no one there to unlock it or collect my timing chip. So I just said, f*** it it all, f*** it all in the ear. I left the racing chip, gave up the bag and its contents, went back to my hotel, showered, changed, and left a day early to head home. And this was a disappointment to me. I knew I would have completed the 30-miler with some degree of ease. Even with my road shoes, I had finished 90 minutes below the cut-off the first time around. I'd done this before. Twice! But I had a race and running hangover, a cloud, dark and black and miserable, hanging over my head, and a bad taste in my mouth, caused by the failures post-Chicago, to add to the 100-marathon club count. With me DNFing Green Man 45, I was now five months without a completed marathon or ultra. And, not being Benjamin f***ing Button, I wasn't getting any younger. But I did have lots to look forward to. Not least a marathon in April in Hamburg with Lewis and Darcen and Keith and Baz and Jenny a planned PB that I would actually train for. Train? Wash your mouth out with soap, young man. And from there, Reykjavik, and a return to the magical country of Iceland. I had a VE day lap race too, a rerunning of my favourite Serpent Trail Ultra, Midnight Sun in Tromso, Norway, just in the Arctic Circle. Transvolcania, Chicago, New York, a second running of Loch Ness. I planned to finally run Valencia too, and Athens appeared from nowhere with Beachy Head, as if it was a rerunning of 2016 for me. But we all know what happened next. The disgusting Chinese livestock markets where they keep, kill and eat anything and everything gave the world a terrible pandemic. 
Forget swine flu or bird flu, we barely noticed those. And the egomaniacs in government combined with mass media and a dishonest communist party who didn't lock down the borders to contain it or even admit that there was a problem for months and months shut the world down. I did get a peloton just before we got shut down, literally just before we started being sent home. And that alone helped me keep my sanity for a lot longer than I would have otherwise. Matt Wilpers, Hannah Corbin and Emma Lovewell kept me fit as the races got cancelled. And that made the failure at Green Man 45 even worse. VE Day went. Hamburg was postponed, then cancelled. Zamat went. Ragnar was like pulling teeth trying to find out a status. Serpent Trail was postponed, then cancelled. Ilford's Twilight went. Midnight Sun went down. Chislehurst Common Marathon, Transvolcania. Chicago and New York. Well, at least the Americans went early. It was all going so badly. But this wasn't the bam-bam-bam domino rally falling over neatly and quickly. Like Kim Wilde, they just kept us hanging on. We are, in my opinion, addicted to our own failure. We define the view of ourselves by looking at what we think we can't do. We set limits. And it's healthy to know your limits, your safe zone, mental comfort. I mean, after all, there's a minefield of danger the other side of the electric fence that we erect. But after this f***ing turd flap of a year, I'm okay with that. I'm not going to win anyway. I just need to survive to the end and under the cutoff. And if I don't survive, at least I will give the f***ing zombie something tasty to chew on. Am I addicted to failure? No. But I'm not shitting rainbows like a Care Bear on acid to put a positive spin on it all. And so, ten months after adding Chicago, both my favourite and, according to my scoring system, the best marathon I've run to date, I finally ran another in 2020, completing the Round Reading Ultra with Lewis Clark, the Tonto to my Lone Ranger, the Rodney to my Del Boy, Lubbly Jubbly. A couple of horrendous lap races next, including one at the rat-infested, dirty diaper-filled dumpster fire that is Gravesend, and I was gaining momentum again. It was September and I would finally hit 50 marathons and above with the help of Jenny Morris at the Chilton 50 and Keith Miller at Run to the Sea Ultra. And all this before a second and almost totally unplanned for, certainly untrained for, Beachy Head Marathon. A cross between Ultrax and Last of the Summer Wine. Now, I do have one more to go this year, peeking its head over the fence at the end of lockdown too, like the old pervert whose house backs onto a girls' school playing field. And it is a second Phoenix lap race, 
This one at what will be the venue of two of my first three planned races of 2021. The scene of me running dressed as a unicorn twice and as Woody from Toy Story. The Denby's Wine Estate in Dorking. On the 12th of December it will be muddy and cold and tough. But, as I told Ben of the uh, Carbs Rule Everything About Me podcast, if you know how far you need to go, so that's a marathon, or eight laps, and you know how long you have to do it, in this case, seven hours, then it's just a question of keeping going. And that is what I will do for that one. As for 2021, I want to run 21 marathons and ultras. Get the quest back on track. Try to be less shit. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. Kipling. Rudyard. Not the one who makes exceedingly good cakes. Anyway. So, I'm just going to keep this all in my head, but to list them, my races for 2021, does them a little disservice. They will, if they are on, and hopefully they will be, and I'm keeping everything crossed that they will. And in some sort of order. Um, you know, you just we just need to calm, I think, that's the thing. This year was so bad that... It doesn't pay to panic about next. Let November be November. Let December be December. Tomorrow will come when it comes. You will learn what you are meant to learn when you arrive there. So let's chill out, you f***ing dog f***ing f***s. My race calendar currently for 2021 is the 23rd of January, Hertford, Hertwood 50. 6th of February, Portland Coastal. 20th of February, North Down Ridge Ultra. 6th of March, Green Man Ultra, just the 30. I know what you're thinking. 28th of March, Guernsey Marathon. 25th of April, Hamburg. 15th of May, Hel no, yes, 15th of May, Helsinki. 5th of June, Run to the Sea, not to Bournemouth this time, but to Brighton. 3rd of July, the deferral of the Serpent Trail. 22nd of August, my running or non-running brother's birthday, Reykjavik. 12th of September, Vilnius. 26th of September, Split. 3rd of October, Loch Ness. The 10th of October, Chicago. The 7th of November, New York. And the 5th of December, Valencia. And I know I have gaps. After Guernsey and Hamburg, I have space and time. And the end of July, too. And after New York and Chicago, I will try, like I did last year, to have a second marathon in the US or Canada, as it is a long ass way to go. And we will just have to see, won't we? I have a feeling that the muddy UK trail races will be fine. The larger city road marathons? 
Those are one side of a coin flip that I'm not comfortable to make until nearer the time. And so, dear listeners, 2020 has come to an end, or this podcast has come to an end. Um, I do have a race coming up. Uh, next up, the Grape Escape. Um, and we will just have to see what 21, 2021 brings. Until then... Have a wonderful Christmas, a happy Hanukkah, an awesome Kwanzaa, and the most amazing New Year. And I will see you running in 2021.